0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Radio Rollback Podcast. Great to be with you again. Uh, big thanks to uh, everyone who got in touch and said how much they like the episode 16 which uh, we featured uh, the summer of 74, which was uh, all about the close down of the stations off the Dutch and the Belgium coast back in 1974. If you've not had a listen yet, then uh, obviously all 16 episodes are still available. Pop back and have a listen. Uh, thanks for those who said they like the uh, the Dutch programme on there as well. And can we have some more of that? We certainly will feature... Uh, Some more Dutch programming on future episodes of the podcast. Welcome as well to new followers who've uh, uh, joined us on uh, Podbean. And uh, you're most welcome. If you want to follow us on Podbean, please do. Uh, Don't forget the podcast is available uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And, of course, you can now get us on your smart speakers. Just ask your smart speaker to play Radio Rollback podcast Uh, so welcome to episode 17 got a cracking episode for you this uh, particular month been so excited about bringing this uh, because uh, we'll be talking to jeff davis of laser 558
1: Hit Radio, Laser 558, Midge, your. Another half hour of nonstop music and hang tight because I'll be right back with another 30 minutes of uh, back-to-back tunes for you. It is Sunday, 60 Sunday underway. Remember, if you go anywhere today, take the radio with you and jam to 60 Sunday on Laser, wherever you happen to be today. All right, that's a good idea. I'm Jeff Davis, and by the way, if you are considering buying a video recorder, well, get yourself pen and paper and keep it close to the radio because coming up here in a few minutes, we'll have details on how you can obtain a free home demonstration of a VHS video recorder. That's coming your way. Don't buy new carpets or curtains, save money. Have your carpet or curtains cleaned by professionals. For a free home quote with no obligation whatsoever, just post your name, address, and telephone number to, free quotation, International Business Center, Mortimer Street, London, W1. If you accept the quote, their professional operators will clean your carpet or curtains in your home with speed and efficiency. You won't believe your eyes when you see the results. For a friendly visit by their quotation expert, with no obligation whatsoever, post your name, address, and telephone number to, free quotation, International Business Center, mortimer street london w1
2: the next time you hear someone playing their radio ask them what radio station they're listening to. Chances are it's us. Laser 558. Millions of people listen to Laser every week. That's right, millions. When you think about it, advertising on Laser makes a lot of sense and it's very cost-effective. Find out more. Call Laser Radio Sales in New York at 212-826-8113. Advertising on Laser. It works. Laser
1: 558.
0: When Laser 558 hit the airwaves of Britain and Europe back in May of 1984, we just couldn't get enough of it with its format of non-stop hits and its really pacey American presentation. We just loved it. Jeff Davis was one of the final DJs to be hired to the station in autumn of 1985 and was there right at the very end when, sadly, the communicator was towed into Arich after generator failure. I was lucky enough to recently have a chat to Jeff and I started by asking him if he uh, was surprised about the impact that the station had here in the UK.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, it was amazing the splash that it made from what I heard. And I, I, just saw, I saw some of the ratings when I was uh, on board near the end there, and it was pretty spectacular. Interestingly, the ratings that I saw were released by the BBC, and it showed that we had on a Sunday, which was our, I think our most popular day because we played a lot of um, uh, Motown, uh, we had 12 million listeners according to the BBC, and I think they were down around maybe eight. Yeah, quite a bit less than us.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And as I say, I don't think that even uh, took in, took into account uh, the listeners that he had in places like Holland, Belgium, you know, Germany, and, and places like that, which, you know, probably getting up towards the doubling that, to be honest.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a uh, thrill to be a part of a broadcast like that, for sure. And
0: uh, I guess, like me, really, I bet you're quite amazed that, you know, what, nearly 40 years on... Uh, for the short time the station was on that it's it still held in such um sort of high esteem people still want to listen to it and you know uh, the, the tapes and uh, and people still talk about it to this day like me and you are today i guess
3: yeah that is astounding i'll tell you for for years afterwards uh, somehow i was able to get letters from people and then uh, you know someone would want to write a book so they'd somehow track me down and look for photos and Oh, and, and then being inducted into the uh, Pirate Radio Hall of Fame, that was a thrill.
1: Yeah, yeah, there got you got that
3: email, and uh, I think they wanted more photos as well for that, and it's all been kind of spread out, but it seems to happen. Every year or two, I'll, I'll get some sort of contact
0: about it. Yeah, it'll probably all kick off again in 2024, on the 40th anniversary, I reckon, so be prepared. <laughs> Uh, I was was.
3: under the impression that maybe because uh, a friend of mine is the one who went over and uh, was one of the engineers and helped put it on the air and helped get it going in the early stages, uh, Blake. um, He was an American, and, and I worked with him in Tucson, Arizona, in radio. I thought they went on live in 83, but I could be wrong.
0: Now, Blake Williams, wasn't it? Uh, certainly, Wait, that was his. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. his name and air. Just come to me. Uh, yeah, I think the, the first the uh, air in very early nineteen eighty four because uh, I remember them being anchored off Margate when they uh, came over and uh, they were in the three mile limits. So it nearly it could have ended even before it began uh, before they moved round to their anchorage. Yeah, Blake was on board uh, with uh, Johnny Lewis uh, and they tried to uh, fly the. Uh, uh, fly the antenna by some uh, hot air balloon or some sort of helium balloon, uh, which had okay, been sorry. successful, and they both blew away and cost a fortune. And uh, and and then eventually, they go, they, I think the the story goes. Um, there's some great books by uh, uh, Paul Ruslin who was also involved i think the story goes basically then all the backers were going to run away and uh they said well okay if you can if you can get if we can spend no money more money and you can get as a single a signal out we'll put some money in and i think blake and johnny lewis literally like just uh got every piece of metal they could on the boat <laughs> to build a mast and got about 10 kilowatts out and then they got some more funding and uh eventually came okay. back, I think, uh, yeah, tw- 24th of May, 84, I believe.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. Blake was a wizard uh, at times as uh, an engineer, but when I knew him, he was... Uh, I knew he had a first-class license uh, for the FCC, but uh, he was a DJ, you know. He worked at the same station I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, great voice as well. And as I say, he did. He, I'm sure he went on to work for Radio Caroline for a bit as well. So how did you first um, hear about Laser? Was it through Blake or... or- did you see an ad somewhere it, or whatever?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I had uh, ended a, a five-year marriage just before, about a year before, and uh, was thinking about what I was going to do, and, and uh, Blake came back and showed me some photos of what he had done over there in England and, and said, you know, they're looking for a couple of guys right now, and, and I just thought, wow, that, that'd be a thrill. I'd love to do that. So I uh, sent my tape in, and, and uh, John Castlett, I think was the name, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, reached out to me shortly thereafter, and um, he was flying around and talking with people, and, and uh, so I up, drove up to uh, Phoenix and met him at the Phoenix airport to have a little chat with him, and uh, ended up getting hired, and he hired uh, a John Leeds, who was yeah, another new talent uh, from Texas, hired both of us at the same time. And uh, that's how uh, it happened. And it seems, you know, looking back, it was fairly quick uh, how it how it came together.
0: And how how quick was it uh, from that meeting to you actually got out there? Because I, I know just uh, in your your email uh, you had you had some problems. Uh, John got uh, okay, didn't he? But you had a few problems to to start with getting out there.
3: Yeah, yeah, it didn't go well for me when I we flew into Gatwick. Um, we had met John, and I had met in New York um uh, for the flight it was an overnight flight and uh, we sat together and you know got to know each other over the over the flight and uh, he was a he was a good clean cut looking guy i had some longer hair you know it was 1985 <laughs> yeah. and yeah uh, and i didn't really think i needed much money so i didn't really have a a good uh, amount of cash on me cuz we were supposed to just fly into gatwick get on the train go to the coast get on a boat and then be on the ship within a matter of hours just so I was going to be out of the country, and uh, when we went up to uh, customs, John was in one line, I was in the other. And when they came to me, they switched custom agents. So I think one guy kind of spotted me. He was, he was, uh, uh, you know, kind of figured that I might be a nefarious character of some sort. So, uh, and he asked me, you know, what I was doing there, and all the questions, and asked if I had money. And I said, well, yeah. And he's like, how much? And so I wasn't expecting, so I was. Thinking, wow, my couple thousand dollars, and he goes, well, let's see it. Oh dear! (laughs) And I, I didn't have it, so. um, He wanted to. I I said, uh, my answer was, it's in my luggage, and he's like, okay, let's go get it. And sure enough, he uh, he took me uh, to find my luggage, and I looked back, and there was John and line looking at me like, oh my goodness, hope that doesn't happen to me. But uh, he got through okay, but. Yeah, they went through my luggage and uh, didn't find it. And I actually, on the way over there, I told them, I'm like, hey, listen, here's the deal. I'm, I'm flying in to go t- to work on Laser 558, pirate radio ship. I'm going to be out of your country in just a couple of hours. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to be gone. So no need to really be concerned about me. And, of course, they would not have that. And uh, I spent a few hours in a, clocked, uh, in a locked room, and uh, they uh, deported me that same afternoon.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I think you were probably just unlucky. I, I remember the the guys often say it, with with the customs, yeah, you know, it, it depends who you ran into, whether it, you know whether they they uh, um, you know would would be awkward about it or not. And obviously, you you ran into one that was going to be awkward. So, uh, but you didn't give up. You came back via Amsterdam.
3: Oh yeah, well, I certainly wasn't going to give up having gotten that far. Um. And yeah the the word is now that you know back then it wasn't uh, quite the word that was used but they were profiling me is what they were doing. Mm. Um, but yeah fortunately uh I had a friend who lived in uh, who I also worked with in radio uh who lived in um, in New Jersey so when I flew back had to spend the night in the airport because it was late and uh, but I reached out to him and and he had me come down and I stayed with him for a few days as they worked out airfare through Amsterdam and uh so that worked out fine which was interesting because he looked at my passport and then where it said Great Britain, there was a big cross on it, you know, where they crossed it out when they put me back on the plane. That didn't phase them at all. They were like, okay, come on in. Fantastic. So I got into Amsterdam. But then the crazy thing was uh, there was a hurricane at that point in uh, October of 1985 that went up the U.S. coast, crossed over the northern Atlantic, and came down the European side. Mm. So mm. even though I was in the country... And I was in uh, staying with uh, some people in Holland. Uh, I was there for eleven days, waiting for the storm and the seas to settle, so I could get out to the ship.
0: Oh, wow! So, so did you actually go out then from uh, Holland, or did you uh, in the end, did, or did you actually go into the UK and, and then got back out again? Of course,
3: back then uh, this was all supposed to be quite secret. So I, I don't. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. But mm. uh, the the Dutch people that I met. Uh, who became friends, and I still am good friends with them to this day. Um, they would uh, ship out of Belgium, and it was uh, under the guise of they were taking anoraks, as they call them. Yes, you know that that's term?
0: it. I do, yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, the fans of radio, and they yeah. would get like 10, 12 people on this tugboat and <laughs> ship out there on a boat for eight hours before mm-hmm. they could get to. Uh, and what they would do was take them to Radio Caroline. And Caroline would let him on board, and they would wander around, talk with the DJs, and so um, I was under the guise of being one of those when They brought me, and uh, and much to the surprise of the anoraks, um, when they went over to Laser to say hello, and the the, the uh, rope ladder dropped, and I grabbed my stuff and went up the ladder, and they were all looking at me like, "That guy's going on the ship. That's a good so yeah, they were um, they were suppliers also of fuel and, and food for Laser, uh, but they also, I mean, so for Radio Caroline, but they also helped out Laser, too, at times when they were needed. So that was the uh, yeah, the Dutch uh, part of the uh, the business.
1: A little after 3 o'clock in Britain, it's just past 4 on the continent. I'm Jeff Davis on Europe's hit music station, Laser 558- You'd
0: seen pictures of the ship, I guess, but uh, what, what was your impression when you, you saw it looming yeah. up there?
3: It's funny you ask that question because, yeah, the picture is like the postcard I still have hanging in my studio here hmm. that they would, we would send out. You know, it has a nice brown painted, uh, you know, ship hmm. besides the ship. And, uh, boy, yeah, when it, as we were approaching it on the tugboat, it looked like a rust bucket. I mean, it was, it was uh, looking pretty worn, and that's I remember... Standing there on the, the tip of the, the boat, just the, the, the tugboat, thinking, "What have I done? <laughs> what have I done to myself?" Um, but it was uh, it was fine. It was uh, the ship was fine and uh, very comfortable. And, uh, and it, you know, I would have easily have stayed out through my full year contract had we had the ability to do so.
0: Yeah. So, um, obviously, you you finally got on board, and John was already on there. Uh, Who else was on there at the time? Was it? um, I think Chuck uh, Chuck Cannon. Chuck Cannon. Yeah. Uh, Was Craig Novak still out there at the time?
3: Craig Novak was the program director, and um, John Taylor is his real name. I can't
0: remember. I'm just trying to think of the word. There was Chuck Cannon, there was yourself at the end, was it there? Craig Novak, John Leeds, and.
3: and he was—I uh, really liked that guy. He was cool. They were all really, really good people. Actually, he lives over in Sacramento, not too far from me now. So I, I saw him a few years ago.
0: Oh, that's good. That, that's 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 really good. So what what was the what was the atmosphere like when you got on board? Because um, you know, obviously, you, you you didn't get out there when it was really nice and sun, and you were sunbathing on the on the deck it was uh you know we're heading into winter and uh what was the what was it like what was the atmosphere like
3: uh you know i was actually pleased with how comfortable it was for the length of time that i was out there there were not too many uh cold days uh there were a couple of storms one in particular that was pretty rough um but um you know the atmosphere on the ship was jovial and everybody got along well um the chef was fantastic and we always had plenty of beer and we would watch British television and uh, we had uh, a, B- a couple of VCRs so we could uh, watch movies and, and, I mean, it was a pleasant atmosphere. There was uh, five of us DJs and then four British running the ship, uh, the chef, the, the able-bodied man, the engineer, and, and then the captain. And the captain was kind of a... You know, and not surprised, you know, he was kind of, uh, uh had a, you know, it was kind of like, I got can't believe I have to be stuck with these these guys. Yeah. He, he's probably wondering where he messed up in his career that he was stuck <laughs> on this radio ship, you know. But, yeah.
1: Um,
3: but, but the engineer was pretty funny. He would, uh, give the DTI when they would be circling our boat and looking at, uh, looking at our just checking us out he'd, he'd put on his little pirate outfit with a hat and then he even had a, a wooden leg and he would go out there and yell at them and curse them and tell them that he was going to get them and that sort of thing it was pretty hilarious
0: <laughs> all good stuff yeah throwback for when charlie wolf was out there and uh, the euro siege uh, stuff and all that which was uh, just fantastic radio at the time you say uh, craig was the um our program control, uh, director while you was, uh, was out there. So did you, um, how long was it before you went on air? Did he just have a quick word, tell you how it worked, and off you went? Or?
3: I think I was on, yeah, pretty quickly. Um, did the afternoon shift, like a one-to-five shift. Uh, Chuck was on after me and uh, did nights. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much right away, I, I suppose.
1: Razer 558 coming up this hour. Music from Eddie Cochran, The Monkees, Midjour, and Sad Cafe. Just mention a few. Here's Aha. Take it
0: on me. Had you worked with the kind of format before? Because it was pretty new to us here in the UK. Because it was, you know, literally hit after hit. And uh, there was the never more than a minute away from music thing. And and, and all that was new. And I think that's why we we in the UK took to it so well. But I guess, you know, coming from American radio, you were quite used to that format
3: used to the format but uh we would certainly have more commercials typically you know yeah uh four four minute stop sets three sometimes four times an hour so yeah um the, the one minute away from music was a new thing but a lot of the music was the same you know as a matter of fact i was already pretty tired of uh that john parr song <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember what it was uh, the name mm-hmm. of it on um, yeah oh the Sand Elmo's Fire yes song.
0: that's right yeah I,
3: I played it for months and months and months and then I went over there and it was just starting so I had to play it again every <laughs> every you know, couple times a shift again so. but uh, yeah musically it was pretty similar I mean that's how the, the our top 40 or our contemporary hit radio what format was at that time so it wasn't much different but it was fun to play the English versions too like I want to be a cowboy and a lot of that stuff
0: yeah yeah so, yeah so uh, it, it was yeah it was a quite interesting mix and then the the 60s sunday thing which was really great because as you say got you got an opportunity then to get the motown songs on and all the great 60s stuff as well.
3: Yeah I was impressed at how well uh, the british community and listening audience uh, loved that that old uh, motown stuff.
0: And and the studios were pretty well equipped weren't they? They were pretty decent studios.
3: Yes yeah um the console was a little older than the one that I used in the, the states, but um, the production room uh, had a modern, modern uh, facility—a nice board, and a slide pot board, and comfortable uh, setting—and a couple of reel-to-reels. And we didn't do a whole, whole lot of commercials, as you know. That was part of the downfall of mm-hmm. uh, laser. We just didn't make much money while we were out there. But uh, yeah, it was um, everything was quite uh, worked well, and we uh, we uh, it was quite comfortable.
0: Yeah, because I I, I mean, talking about commercials, I think actually just uh, maybe I'm sort of looking back and getting the wrong impression, but... Uh, listening to some of your uh, stuff before I uh, did the, the interview over the weekend, I was actually surprised how many commercials there were. There were more than I remember. And I, I actually think, I remember John Catlett saying somewhere that uh, towards the end they were actually selling more airtime than they ever had and maybe had they have got past November, December, maybe have come into you know, 1986, they may well have actually started to make money.
3: That's possible. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, does uh, I do you seem to recall that Philip Morris, of course, was the biggest advertiser we had at a time. But then they uh, ended up getting kicked off. Um, but um, yeah, we were starting to get uh, some more production and more commercials. Now that you mentioned, um, and we probably could have gone further. But you know, the it was the um, our our parts, and it was it was that. Uh, strangulation of the uh, the DTI uh, yeah. arresting supply boat captains that it did it did work you know because we we were losing we were needing supplies more than anything uh mechanical supplies and uh, we lost uh all of our all yeah. the generators except for the one and that was the one that would be able to to power the boat so we we couldn't broadcast we couldn't uh, do a number of things we had six generators total mm-hmm. and five of them just slowly one by one uh, broke broke down. Boy, I remember one, I think that last one, that it threw a rod out of the generator, uh, the, the engine. It just, it burst through the, the, the casing of the wow. engine, and it, that was the loudest noise I have ever heard oh, in my life to this day. And uh, I was asleep in my cabin when it happened, and it was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, we all jumped up and went running, and, and uh, we had to hand pump the oil into the engine for a while because uh, to keep it going uh we somehow we were able to keep it moving and and uh but we had to take turns pumping up cool. and down up and down up and down up and down
0: got that you didn't sign up for that
3: <laughs> well you know but i didn't mind doing now it No, like, uh, when we had our uh jump out of bed and, and get the supplies off the supply boats in the middle of the night, you know, it's just you know, at two AM or something, you'd hear the bell go off and you'd you'd all jump up and run out and do whatever you can, do whatever you could to uh, get the supplies off as quickly as possible. Because um, that was during the days when the the D T I was out there mm. fairly regularly, but every now and then they would they would go away and, and then we tried to get some boats in, the, in there during that period.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. You were
3: and fewer.
0: Yeah, and it was the fact that um, with the generators, it wasn't the fact that they were necessarily unrepairable. It was that, it, like you say, the supply, the, uh, the DTI pretty much cut off the, the, the supply of those parts, which were also vital, wasn't it?
3: Correct. Yeah, that yep. was it. Um, as, as a matter of fact, when we went in, we were somehow hoping that we could get some parts on our own and get back out and it, yeah. it just didn't happen that way um you know they took us into the uh the, the port and which is like three miles deep yeah. And they took us all the way into the back you know there's there's wouldn't yeah. have been wouldn't have been easy to sneak out of that port but yeah it just uh we've been matter of fact they kept us in in the area for about a month after we went in in hopes that we would be able to get back out
0: yeah i, I drove all the way down to harwich just to uh uh, to find it, which I did, and as you say, it was pretty much like you say, about three miles inland, and uh, uh, and I remember I I nearly got chased off a off a farmer's field because I I jumped over a gate and went got down to like the little beach area to take some photos, and and the farmer was not best pleased. I think maybe because I wasn't the first. <laughs> um, oh Right, maybe uh,
3: that's right. part Port is what yeah. it was called, wasn't it? Yeah yeah um, all right and so, we were amazed at how many people well, first of all how much coverage we had on on television going in from uh, helicopters and and tugboats and uh, riding along next to our ship and then when we got into the port it was shoulder to shoulder people on on the sides uh, standing there with and you saw flash bulbs going off i think by then it was about five o'clock and so it was getting it was, dull, it was yeah. dust yeah and uh, yeah, the flashbulbs going off, mm-hmm. and it was like it was really interesting to be so popular.
0: So that that last day, you say, when the when the the, the generator finally went, and you was in bed, and uh, obviously, I guess the decision was was taken pretty much uh, by the captain that you was going to go in, and uh, you were going to contact the the sister ship, as it actually turned out to be, for the communicator, the gold line. Uh, seeker wasn't it
3: but yeah the, and no i i do recall there was quite a bit of discussion with the captain about whether we would stay out or not and he's like you know we have so little power left we have to go in and mm. you
0: know. yeah i know that the uh, uh, uh the caroline guys were uh, upset is probably the wrong word but they were they were disappointed weren't they because I, I think although i think the dti were more interested in laser than than uh, Caroline purely for the fact that the audience that they were pulling and uh, the uh, impact they were having on commercial radio in the UK, which had really lost its way by the time Laser came on.
3: Yes, uh, yeah, Caroline never did have uh, quite the following, and unless you were into like progressive rock or that sort of format that they were they were using, um, which I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, the DTI didn't seem to be too concerned about them because they didn't have the ratings that that we had. No. And laser
0: but it, it was it was uh, yeah it was a real shame when when you came in as I say you said it was a it was an experience in itself so what actually happened uh, once they'd take the ship in and uh...
3: yeah a couple of uh, custom agents and dogs came on board to see if we had any drugs or anything and uh, what had been there was long gone um, <laughs> there, there was some when I got on board um, yeah long gone by then and uh, they were very nice really pleasant uh, people actually the one gal was very pretty and she reminded us of this uh, police officer that was on a TV show that we all liked
0: <laughs> right and
3: uh, so they were pleasant with us and then the, the interesting thing is the next day when we went to immigration we had to you know he, they gave us a stern talking to uh, how we were breaking the law and um, they gave us a, a one-month stamp on our, our passports and but then after we were all done the guy looks around and he, he hands some sheets of paper out to everybody and says, My daughter would love your autographs if you don't mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that must have been quite surreal, really.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the tone lightened up quite a bit at that point, you know. It so, was entertaining
0: and and what what was the um what was the the word from the management at the time and obviously they're massively disappointed and but but you know was there any sense that this was only a temporary blip and they could sort it out and you could be back out there again very soon
3: that was the hope um i uh was not in touch with you know John Catlett at all at that point um I guess um maybe just Craig Novak was the one who was in touch with uh the upper authorities of the of the laser and um, there was yeah some hope that we could uh, get back out at some point and uh, we they put us up in a hotel in kent really nice hotel wonderful food again i mean we were treated really well uh and then just at some point they just said yeah we're we just gonna call it call it quits and uh here's some airfare and good luck
0: <laughs> and and now back you went uh, did you um did you uh, keep up to date with what was happening after that, or was it you know, just the case, obviously, I need to get back into the States, get myself a job and, and get on with my life and put it behind me as a, an experience I'll never forget?
3: Well, I, th- I thought about some other ways of staying over there. Um, I heard working at a kibbutz would be kind of interesting, and <laughs> that crossed, I looked into that a little bit, and uh, I knew uh, Lenderton Moyo, the, my Dutch friends were... were uh, around and thought about staying with them but they did a pretty good job taking care of me for that 11 days prior so I just came home and thought I'd you know readdress it but then things I got hired back at the radio station pretty quickly and I just kind of fell back into the fold pretty easily but definitely stayed in touch with uh, some of the guys for quite a while and uh, continued to stay in touch with uh, Lynn and Moyo and and I remember hearing that Radio Caroline had an online radio station a number of years ago, not too long ago. So I listened to that a little bit, and it was kind of fun to hear that. Um, but yeah, I just uh, did not make it back over there again.
0: Yeah, because kind of yeah, because did you hear that? Um, uh, that it actually went back out in '86 under uh, new management, and uh, it was uh, became laser hot hits for for a time. It, again it it didn't last very long i think it was all done very very quickly it had to be it started up again as a laser hot hits which was very much along the similar sort of format it was a,
3: it, I, say, I, I don't remember hearing about that
0: yeah it was it, uh, I was twiddling about uh, looking for Caroline, and I, I thought, well, this isn't Caroline. And it was an American chock called uh, John Rock and Roll Anthony, who was quite some, uh, <laughs> quite some DJ, uh, saying that uh, if we sell a million T-shirts, we don't need to take any ads. I thought, this is interesting. And then I realized it was uh, some test transmissions for laser hot hits. Which...
3: We should have tried to sell T-shirts ourselves.
0: But, but I think it, uh, you know, like where we started, uh, Jeff, the impact that it had, uh, certainly on young people, was, um, was incredible and I've never forgot it. And...
1: Uh, yeah, I believe so. All Europe Radio, Laser 558, Genesis there, and getting back into some old Motown. Here are the Isley Brothers and this old heart.
3: Did you say? Uh, I was reading back over your email, and you remember me being on the ship?
0: Yeah, I definitely remember you being out on the ship. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, honored. Here's one uh, really interesting uh, coincidence story. Uh, a few years later, 1989, so four years later, I met uh, this British gal. I think she was. She called into the radio station. She was asking me about my name, and and uh, turned out she was a nurse in london and and strained her back so she was in traction for a while and she said she would listen to laser and remembered listening to me doing the uh, the happy hour that i used to do yeah. in the last hour of my show and uh we we dated for a while Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so i ended up dating a gal who used to listen to me when i was on laser
0: yeah, that That is in, incredible, and considering how far we were from the coast, it wasn't a station that just, you know, covered Kent, Essex, it, it really got out so well.
3: Yeah, I was amazed at the uh, the signal when I saw the map, the drawing of the map of the coverage area, and I, I do know near the end, we did not have that good of coverage anymore, but uh, it, initially, it, yeah, it was all over um, part of uh, Holland and Belgium, and down maybe the tip of france and so yeah, you know, we, had, we had a nice big coverage area
0: yeah yeah but it was great that somebody see remembered after all that, all that time and uh got her through her uh, experience in hospital which and, yeah. and got yeah. a days or two out of it which can't be bad can it
3: yeah right and then here you are again so it's just uh, as you mentioned earlier it's like um uh, it the interest is amazing how it has been um lingering all these decades you know the popularity of it: just yeah, people don't forget.
0: no, they definitely don't, and as I say, I'll, I'll be very surprised if um, something isn't done to uh, you know remember the 40th anniversary um, you know, when it comes around in three years' time. I don't know what that will be or, or whatever, but I'm sure there was people who will want to remember it in, uh, in, in some way because it, it really was a great time.
3: Could give me a reason to come back and visit if uh, some of the folks got
1: together. That
0: would be really good, wouldn't it, as well?
1: All Europe Radio. Laser 558. Five, I think that's how half the population that feels about Mondays. At least half the population. About Geldoff off the boomtown rats and guess what we have to face tomorrow, huh? That's a Monday again, yes.
2: But for the time being, it's 60's Sunday. We're going to keep it going. Be right back with the monkeys. Have you thought about buying a VHS recorder but thought you could not afford it? And considered buying a used one but you were worried about being stung by a less than reputable dealer? Well, now your problems are solved. A national company with over 100 service branches in the UK and hundreds of mobile service staff offers you the fabulous ex-rental Ferguson VHS video recorder with 14-day programmable timer, full six-month parts and labor guarantee with the yearly service contract option and service backup. All for just 189 pounds, including delivery. That's right, just 189 pounds. This offer is not available through the shops. For a free home demonstration with no obligation at a time to suit you anywhere in the UK mainland, post your name, address, and telephone number to VHS Free Home Demonstration, International Business Center Mortimer Street, London, W1. You'll receive a telephone call to arrange a convenient time for a friendly home demonstration with no pressure selling and definitely no obligation to buy. That address again for a free home demonstration anywhere in the UK is VHS Free Home Demonstration, International Business Center, Mortimer Street, London, W1. All Europe Radio,
1: Laser 558. <laughs>
3: It was still on Caroline when I was over there.
0: It was Mon. I think it was Monique that was on. When was oh, Radio day.
3: Monique. That's right. Yeah,
0: right. The, the Dutch right. one. Yeah, Radio Monique. Yeah, that was amazingly popular in Holland as well. You know, that that pretty much I think paid for Caroline in the eighties because they had very few adverts, but Monique seemed to be full of them.
3: And I think that was the connection that uh, my British or my uh, Dutch friends had. Uh, they were really supp- supplying Radio Monique, but uh, also helped out with. Mm-hmm. Caroline as well.
0: Yeah, I think they, I think the part of the deal was they they basically paid for the pretty much the, the running of the ship. I think I'm not even sure whether Monique paid for the crew as well and uh, uh, which meant that Caroline could pretty much do their thing for free sort of thing.
1: Keep your radio right on Laser 558. Coming up next hour, John Parr, Matt Bianco, UB40. Frankie goes to Hollywood and more. Here's King, the taste of your tears. It
3: was one of the, the, Big storms that we had, and uh, it, the storm was pushing our ship back, and we were heading toward a sandbar uh, underneath the, uh, the 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 sea there, and and we couldn't get on there. You know, if we got stuck on that sandbar, we'd we'd be sunk, in a sense, you know, we'd be stuck, and, yeah. and we had to make sure that that didn't happen. So we had to have the engines running at the same speed that the the, the wind was pushing us back to keep it equal, and uh, the captain had to be up. The whole time, so uh, we were on 12-hour shifts, or on, not. I guess the shifts weren't 12 hours, but we were on. We took turns being with the captain to help him out with anything, and I had a late night shift, and and uh, I don't know if he would just did this to get back at me or something for whatever, you know, for for him having to be there. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he wanted to make sure that he wanted to see which way the chain was uh, angled uh, from the front of the ship, so he sent me out to the front of the ship the waves crashing over the bow with a flashlight and uh I know I slipped at least once if not twice because the oh, the, wow. uh, the steel, you know, decking yeah. was soaked and uh I had to literally lean up against the bow which was leaning out anyway and look down with the flashlight and and look at the chain to see which way it was angled so he knew which way he was facing and uh that was pretty crazy I mean, that was really intense and uh powerful rain and wind and uh yeah it was but you know what it was uh a, a, an exciting experience
0: yeah pretty scary though too i guess especially in the in the dark and yeah i, I, I always think the the sea can be very scary when it's rough when it's dark is it it's, did you ever did you was you okay was you a good sailor you didn't get the seasickness or not at all and i'll tell you
3: what if anyone's going to get seasick it's going to be on that tugboat yeah. on that eight hour yeah. <laughs> ride from belgium up and down on those waves, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know people did have trouble with that, uh, but I, I did okay with yeah. that. Certainly, laser was was pretty calm.
2: Yeah, well, pretty,
3: you know, there was one other story, and this isn't—I don't know if this was ever told—but uh, one day we had this um, pontoon boat motorized with a uh, with a, a motor, and uh, we we thought for some reason we'd take it over to Caroline and say hello, and so a few of us got the boat off into the water and we got on into it and we started up and we headed uh, toward caroline i think we got about 200 feet out and the motor crapped out on us oh, no. yeah and yeah the and the channel there the yeah. current in the channel yeah. there was pushing us back you know pretty steadily mm-hmm. and we were not that close to the ship and uh we were just you know we were yelling back at the ship and finally somebody heard us and uh uh, uh we were getting closer and closer to the aft of the ship. And I, I was wondering if, if we don't get, you know, saved here, where are we going to end up? God, you know? yeah. And then what's going to happen to us? Uh, and somehow they, they got a, um, uh, a lifesaver out to us on a rope and it, it took a few tries. And it was, I think on the last try, which would have been the last possible try, we were able to get it and they were able to pull us back to wow. the ship. And, yeah. uh, that was, uh, a little frightening because no telling what that would have been
0: yeah real scary stuff uh thank
3: no, we tried that yeah
0: thanks ever so much for taking the time to speak to me jeff
3: pleasure to talk about it again for sure
0: well if they do anything for the 40th and you get over for the and you do come over for the uk we'll, we'll have to get in touch and uh, i'll i'll shout you a beer okay <laughs> you got it okay. you can count on it <laughs> fantastic
3: well, I'll keep up uh, the work on the podcast and continued success to you and, and thanks for sharing the stories. We
0: appreciate it.
2: The hits it
0: Thanks very much indeed to uh, Jeff Davis taking the time to have a chat to us. It's uh, great to hear uh, the clips of the stations, which I uh, love to play you, uh, and, uh, you know, talk about the stories, but there's uh, nothing like having a chat to someone who's actually there, and hopefully we'll try and get more people who are involved in and around UK radio in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and uh, get their stories on uh, later podcasts. Hope you've enjoyed this edition. Hope you'll uh, be subscribing and uh, following us for the next one, uh, which will be out next month. I've not really planned it yet, if I'm honest, but I think, well, being as we were in the 80s for this one, we'll probably go back to the 60s uh, for the uh, next edition of the Radio Rollback Podcast. Don't forget, it's available on uh, pretty much everywhere. You can get your podcasts from, or you can play it on your smart speaker by asking it to play Radio Rollback Podcast. Podcasts. Love to get your messages. Want to get in touch with us? It's Jeff Martin Media 220 at gmail.com. Until next time, have fun.